0: And so what I was getting back from people was, look, I don't know where I work anymore. And, mm, wow. and we, we, had, we had really worked hard to create a, a culture that we, that we all enjoyed and loved. We were just trying to be a little less stuffy on one side and be a little bit more professional on the other. And we didn't recognize that sometimes people don't have the capacity to change that quick.
1: Hey there, friend, you're listening to the Hot Mess Hotline, and this is Stephanie Crevins. You are in the right place if you're an ambitious leader who wants to pull off a big, stupendous, momentous, transformational project. We teach you how to lead with strategy, innovation, flexibility, and focus for new business results, digital transformation, tough decisions, loving on your people, building culture, and so much more. Whatever you're working on, we've got hard-earned lessons from executives to make you more adaptable and put into practice as soon as this episode is over. Today's guest is my new friend, Don Monaster. He is the CEO and president of General Informatics, an information technology company. He is responsible for the strategic vision and day-to-day execution of their corporate plan, to hit some really fantastic goals and grow organically, as well as choosing the right acquisition partners to add value to their current company's service portfolio. Don's time at General Informatics has been very productive. They've expanded from a Louisiana-only business to, with having less than 40 employees to having more than 200 today and being spread out across the entire Southeast, as well as parts of Colorado and California. Today's conversation with Don. Prepare to laugh, prepare to learn a lot, and let's dig into Don's hot mess. Let's go, my friend. All right. Ah, Don. Yes. Tell me about your hot mess. Stephanie, I can I can I tell
0: you about like three or four of them? Because I mean one hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're really asking me to narrow these things down. All right. So I one know, hot mess. I know. The one that comes to mind that really taught me the most about business people and culture and how tightly those all kind of intertangle at at one point I'd say this was about 10 years ago we were acquiring a company now before I, I tell this story I have worked with private equity since 2008 and a a trend in technology companies is to go out and acquire companies consolidate them go through integration etc so in my Mm -hmm. career i've done 19 acquisitions and yeah yeah and that is not an easy task now what i'll tell you is that integration is always a challenge right there's always a little bit of anxiety there's always some some concern there but This particular group, it was really, really interesting because this was more like a merger of equals as opposed to one really big company buying a little bitty small company, right? It was two companies that were basically the same size, both had leadership teams that were intact. So if you can imagine, you know, there's a little bit of jockeying for position at the leadership level. And what we recognized, so we were the acquiring company, we recognized from a standpoint of our business, we were a little stuffy. Like we were, we were kind of, conservative and staunch and and they were super super laid back. I mean, I'd almost go as far as to say unprofessional. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and and so when we started Wait, which side were you on again? Remind yeah, exactly. Me. I know, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, you you were the staunch. And like, no, I just happen to be on that side of the house. <laughs> and it was one of the reasons why I was really excited about the acquisition, Stephanie, because we were thinking, God, we could really use an opportunity to kind of come to the middle. Like mm-hmm. we were saying, we need to get rid of some of this stuffiness and be a little bit more you know, e- easy within the organization to enjoy our time. I mean, we spend so much time at work. And so and they were looking at theirs going, you know what, we could probably get a little bit more professional and we could probably do some things. So on paper, leadership's looking at this going, man, this is fantastic. This is kind of like a, a perfect yin and yang and a come to the middle. And, man, leadership should have talked to the people. <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. It was a hot mess. And it I found out very quickly. I mean, it was within three or four days of making the announcement to the, the team internally that people started asking a whole lot of questions about. Hey man, they do things differently than us. How is that going to work out? Et cetera, et cetera. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So at one point, we, we on a Friday, kind of like a Friday like today, <laughs> at four thirty, we had beer thirty, and this was one of their ideas. And I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. We should always do beer thirty. Agreed. And so <laughs> yeah, right. And so leadership took a cart, and we had cold beer, and we were. <laughs> you know, pushing the cart through the organization. And we were handing out beer and I thought it was going to be a massive hit. And I had at least four people come to me Monday and go, I just want to know if that's going to be a thing every Friday. Cause I just don't know that I can work here if that's the case. And I was oh. like, well, Hey man, it's beer. <laughs> and and it's optional. Ha- yeah, yeah. You don't have to drink it. We yeah. weren't, we, we weren't shotgunning it. We weren't, you know, <laughs> we only had one and <laughs> And then on the other side, the only thing that we changed or the the things that we were starting to kind of influence was, hey, you have to wear shoes to work. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like like flip flops and shorts and no shoes. Like you got to like we have customers who come in. So you got to wear shoes. And, Mm. you know, again, on paper, I thought, well. Everybody really wants to wear shoes. We just, we just. <laughs> I guess because we let them come in without them, mm-hmm. you know. bit literally, it was people would come in and flip flops and and look. I I'm gonna tell you, like a lady can pull off a sandal. I don't want to see some dude's nasty foot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what? I would agree. Creates, That's a little too casual. A little right? too casual. Even if yeah. it's the kind with like the bottle opener on it for beer 30, like I get <laughs> right. it logically. Get it.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But, but We got to wear shoes. <laughs> we got to wear
0: shoes. Yes. So, <laughs> but yeah, so you think that, that those types of things are really, really easy to implement. And mm-hmm. what we recognized pretty quickly was, Hey, apparently not everybody's on the same page with this concept of moving to the middle. And here's what I, here's what we underestimated. So, You know if we would have just assimilated them and said this is the new culture you're just gonna be stuffy like the rest of us Mm -hmm. then only half of the company would have had to experience change what we were experiencing was everybody was experiencing change and people were coming to work going man i don't know what this place is about anymore yeah and we did not do a good job of kind of supplanting that with this new culture like what is it that we really wanted from this. We just thought, ah, we'll all come to the middle and everybody will be fantastic and and, and be excited about it, but that's not
1: what happened. And so, I just wanna make sure I'm not making assumptions. You also physically moved them into the same building, correct?
0: So we had multiple locations. Okay. and, And we had at least two of the cities we overlapped. So we had in the same building, in one city, and we operated in two different buildings until the lease was up, and then we brought those folks together. By the time we brought the second group together, it was, we had worked out the culture and 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 we had done some things very, very specifically to impact and influence the culture so we could we could redefine it, which is really what, what we ended up having to do. But yeah, the we were um our office in Nashville, they all came together and they were looking at each other like like I don't I don't even know what I'm looking at. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you in a tie? And it's like, why don't you have shoes on? <laughs> 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 I mean and you just don't, you know, you don't recognize that when you've got that big of a delta between the two even though we're the same type of company we were delivering services that were very similar mm-hmm. you know the the conversations that were being had and the and the way that people were behaving was very very different and so man what we had to do was really kind of shake the etch a sketch you know and say all right let's redefine what it is that we really want because we've got and at that time we were probably about 200 people we got 200 people who were kind of upset that that we didn't think about how this was going to to impact yeah we wanted it but that didn't mean that everybody else wanted it and and look we lost some good people because of it you know and that was that was a the sad outcome you know uh, the whole reason why we chose to do it the way we were doing it was cuz we thought everybody would have loved it and and got on board and we weren't going uh, to attract any people internally and and so the the goal was you know, obviously not to get everybody upset, but bridge. apparently shoes are a bridge too far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone has their hill they're going to die on, man. Uh, that's oh, right. Man. Apparently yeah. shoes are it. So, <laughs> so what, did, what did that pushback feel like as people were expressing their displeasure on e- either side? What were you yeah. hearing? What were you experiencing?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's worth mentioning at the time I was the chief operations officer about to move into the role of being president of the company. And so I was I was going through a bit of a process of making sure that, you know, we were not going to misstep during this integration because I was in charge of the integration. And what I was getting from a lot of people was, hey, man, have you ever done this before? And I'm like, yeah, in fact, I've done it like at that time, like 12 times. Yeah. And and we've never had this issue. And so as much as anything, I had to get over, you know, how personal it was for me before I could get to a place where it's like, hey, we need to address this and decide how we're going to how we're going to solve it. And so what I was getting back from people was, look, I don't know where I work anymore. And mm, wow. and we, we had we had really worked hard to create a, a culture that we that we all enjoyed and loved. We were just trying to be a little less stuffy on one side and be a little bit more professional on the other. And we didn't recognize that sometimes people don't have the capacity to change that quick. And then actually from that point forward changed the way that I approach acquisitions to this day because I, I, I am, You know, in IT still, we still, we just got done with an acquisition. Um, Next week, we're about to do an integration, but the approach is very, very different because of what happened, you know, 10 years ago, which is great. I mean, it would be bad if I was continuing to make the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, (laughs) true, true. So, but yeah, the, the approach for acquisition and integration is very, very different. And one of the things that is key and keep in mind, this was a, about when Simon Sinek had become really, really popular mm. with his book, and yes. you know, start with why, and 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 that really resonated because we did not start with why. we, yes. we started with you got to wear shoes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and here's a beer. <laughs>
0: yeah, and here's a beer. So,
1: um,
0: so the the um, the interesting thing was it was tr- absolutely you know, driven, you know, the mess was driven by leadership. And so I I sat down with the leadership team. I'm like, hey guys, we broke it. <laughs> we gotta fix it. Yes. And so we need to sit down and really talk about, you know, what it is that our people are experiencing and, and how we can change it.
1: Yeah. Two things you mentioned that I wanna highlight for folks. One is you said I had to personally get past what i was feeling
0: to me it it felt like failure i mean Mm. you know like you know here i am you know our our business at that time had become fairly well known and you know we knew where all of our warts were but anybody on the outside looking in was like hey that's a very well-run company they're operationally mature they're good at what they do and this was the first time that i've been kind of smacked in the face going hey you know don't take things for granted because the fact of the matter is, is that you can make mistakes that are big enough to where it can cost you good people. And, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. So for me, p- that personal feeling was failure and, and I had to get over it because I knew we were the ones that had to fix it. And so mm-hmm. while it's it's good to resonate on the fact that, you know, you can't ever get ahead of your skis, right? You can't ever say, uh, I've done this so many times, I don't, I don't have to pay attention to it. You know, that's sure. usually when you make the mistake, right? Yes. And I think we kind of came into it that way where it's like, hey, we've done this before, it's no brainer, let's just get it done. And and for me, it was just recognizing, okay, no, you don't always have it, all the answers. You yeah. do need to to involve the, the folks who are on the team because those are the people who are really making the difference, right? Those are the people mm-hmm. closest to the customers. And you want, you want their input, you want their feedback.
1: So. Yes, yeah. And the other thing you said you know some of the pushback you were getting is when folks were saying i don't know where i work anymore Mm -hmm. which i heard i feel lost yes yeah and and you know
0: i will admit that for me like i love work i just love it i love i love coming to work i love where i work i love you know the people that i work with and so the culture you know is as much about the work that we do as opposed to how we do it. And, mm-hmm. so, and so when they were telling me, hey, man, I'm lost, I was I was struggling with it. I'm like, hey, tell me more about that because I don't see that there was this massive change. And of course, you, you know, what I was getting in return was no, done. This has been changed for everybody. And, and that you guys might see this as something that's relatively small, but we're not having fun anymore. And mm-hmm. it was okay to work hard, you know, if we're having fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we had to do is redefine it. And that's, you know, the. It, it's interesting. Probably the best strategic meeting I've ever been involved in was during this time because we had to reinvent ourselves. We had to understand yeah. what our true vision was for those two companies coming together. What was our mission? And, and then what core values did we want? Inside our company, and you know that's the one thing that that I tell people all the time. Even when like we've done in this particular, I've been working for General Informatics now for three years. We've done seven uh, acquisitions since I've been here. And what I tell folks when we acquire, I say, look, we're not looking to carbon copy, rubber stamp anything on anybody. What we what we have to agree on are our core values because yes. you know our vision is is who we want to be. All right. Our mission is how we're going to get there. And our core values is how we're going to behave along the way. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, here we have what we call our can do, will do attitude. It is undeniable. You can watch people do it and you can watch people hold others accountable for it. And when you hear somebody say, hey, that's not my job there'll be five people will come over there and say hey man you don't want to say that out loud if you feel that way you might be in the wrong place nice. and like and for me like that okay that's what i need i need that to be a core value that we all so if if you want to go eat barbecue while somebody else goes and eats shrimp etouffee at the company meeting great you know yeah. we don't we don't want to we don't want to influence or impact that we just want to make sure that you know can do will do attitude Be nice, work hard. Those are the two top ones, right? Be nice, work hard. And then the last one is have fun, because if we're not having fun, you know, it's what are we doing? What's the point? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: It's so interesting. I was just in a meeting with some hopefully clients earlier today and we were talking about their retreat and they want something fun. And I said, how do you define fun?
0: Oh, good question.
1: Right. Because what I hear in those two companies that came together on the stuffy Uber professional culture, fun was defined in a much different way than the guys that didn't wear shoes. Not that they were <laughs> either one was good or bad. They right. were clearly were successful in their own way, but each culture, that person signed up for fun in that culture, not the other one,
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. and and what's interesting is, like, so when we started, kind of implementing the new culture. And and I, I tell people, if you're not being deliberate about your culture in leadership, mm-hmm. somebody else is. Yep. And, yep. and and so you better be you better be driving the message that you want to be driven throughout your entire organization. And one of the things that we came up with, and it was kind of on accident, um, is And those are always the best ones, right? I I had overheard somebody talking in the break room and they said something that was incorrect. And I was like, hey, where'd you hear that? And he was like, well, I I asked Frank and Frank told me, I'm like, Frank, Frank doesn't know what he's talking about. I said, tell you what, I'm gonna be in the training room at two o'clock. Y'all come in and ask me whatever questions you got. And, And at this point I was the president of the company. So I just happened to be walking by marketing and I was just letting them know because they use the co- the conference room a lot, they use the training room a lot. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in the train. I'm gonna be in the training room at two o'clock. I'm just gonna be there, and people are gonna walk in and ask questions. Would you guys send out an email?" And so this is about eleven o'clock ish. I I walk past the training room, and there's a big sign, and it says, "Caffeine in conversations with President Don Monaster." I'm like, "Holy cow! When did that happen? Like, we went." From, I, i had this image of me on a whiteboard you know and, and and talking to like eight people and i walk in at two o'clock and there's 73 people itching to ask me really hard questions
1: nice. and
0: and it was fantastic and it started something that i do to this day and we've we've called it many different things sometimes it's coffee talk sometimes it's caffeinating conversations but we've, we've actually done it throughout our entire organization. We do it regionally. And the reason why I love doing it regionally is I remember even after that first time of being you know, bombarded with about 40 questions that were all really difficult questions, but mm-hmm. I was so proud of them for raising their hand and going, hey, we don't like this. Why did, how did y'all come up with that? How did y'all make that decision? Yes. And I'm like, wow, that's a great question. Let me tell you what that what how we got to that decision. Yes. But I remember being done with that going, man, I can't wait to go to all of our other locations and teach them about, you know, our company and what I found out was I went to the other locations and learned about our company. Uh-huh. Because because what what mattered to the guys in Nashville, Tennessee, Was different than what mattered to the guys in, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama. It was amazing that it was that different. And so kudos to you for asking the question, because a lot of people think, you know, hey, my, my definition of fun is somebody else's definition of fun. And that's not always the case you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's the same with senses of humor. And I know that because I have a terrible one. And what I find funny is what most people do not find funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same <yeah>. difference. <laughs> so so you've you've had
0: that awkward moment where you recognize I'm the only one laughing. <laughs>
1: totally. Totally. We'll call that Friday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Oh, goodness, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So last question. We'll take a quick break and come back about the awesome things that you've learned and been able to do because you went through this hot mess. Yeah. How did you know that the culture was one, was blended, was strong again through discomfort, uncertainty, lostness that was created? Yeah.
0: So, you know, I, I can be like really... Yeah, you know, the, the first KPI was we stopped losing people,
1: <laughs> which you know, yeah, turnover is yes an important I mean, one. I yeah. Mean, there,
0: there's a sign that things might be getting better. People either that or they're just grinning and bearing it. You know, part of the fix and part of what we did to to really engage everybody was we became very deliberate about what we wanted the culture to be. We defined it very clearly. We were almost 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 to a, to a fault because what we wanted everybody to understand was, hey, these are the expectations of what we need to be professionally. And oh, by the way, here's where we wanna be from a culture and a, and a core value perspective. And we want, we want to lead with our heart. A lot of companies don't do that because I don't know, maybe they're scared to get hurt. But at the end of the day, I wanna love on my team first and then we'll make everything else work. We can figure that out. And so we started really driving that message. And it's amazing, you know. I, I, I used to say, you know, when you when you hold your hand out to hug somebody and they and they hug you back, you start to recognize, okay, you know what? Things are things are changing. Things are like people are starting to recognize that we don't want to be stuffy anymore and we don't want to, you know, to be unprofessional because it's not good for anyone. And mm-hmm. so the talk started coming back, Hey, things are improving. The thing that the day I I feel like that I really saw the difference was we became very transparent about our communication and about what we were responsible for and how we were going to hold people accountable down to, I had all of the things that I, as a president of the company had to do with deadlines. And I had we had hired a guy who was a, an engineer. He had been with us for about six months and he hadn't come to the office much because he was always in the field. He came in and he saw me. Now He's met me one time, president of a fairly large company. And he's like, hey, man, that task you got that's due by today. You got to make sure you get it done. And I was like, absolutely, I, I will get it done. And I, I was love like, that. that's that now yes. it's working. When a guy who just got hired feels comfortable enough to tell the president, "Hey, man, we're counting on you," mm-hmm. that that's cool. That is so cool. And what I started to recognize was people were holding each other accountable. It management was responding to me, going, "Y'all have made our job so much easier by redefining our culture and driving that message home." You know, I used to say all the time, "If you're not tired of saying it, we hadn't said it enough," mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because because you just don't recognize that. Those, you know, our folks were not in that meeting and they they feel like they're being talked at, yes. not talked to. Yep. And so I think that's when, you know, I knew, OK, we've we've done something special here and it really was special. It was.
1: Yeah. That kind of accountability is what companies really functional, high performing, high performing companies dream of. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And that's exactly what we've done in my company too. Like my two admin people, they're setting deadlines for me, just like I set deadlines for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the only way to roll. Like, thank you for making my life so easy that I can step in, knock the task off and you can keep going with the work. Like, thank you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I want to talk about, um, I just feel like part of the secret sauce for you as a leader and for what you've done in this company is there's there's this magic between transparent communication, communicating with transparency. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's slight differences to dig into, but let's come back and we'll talk about that. Sounds fantastic. All right. Well, we take a quick break from this amazing conversation today. I want to share with you a new tool that I have for you. I think that there's a myth in our workplaces. Let me say this, I know there's a myth in our workplaces that meetings have to suck, and I don't believe that whatsoever. By all accounts, our time in meetings have doubled, if not more, since the start of the pandemic. And this time with your colleagues should not be a waste of time, it should be the most valuable. So if you're looking for more resources to lead meetings that are productive, powerful, impactful, and have everyone participating, Get over to my website at stephaniecrevins.com forward slash lead kick-ass meetings and get some new tools so that when you leave a meeting with your colleagues, you're not left going, what the actual F was that? You're going, yes, we're going to take on the world together. Let's get this done because it was an unbelievably powerful meeting. Those tools are out there for you, my friends, and they're on my website today stephaniecrevins.com forward slash lead ass meetings now let's get back into that conversation so don you mentioned that was about 10 years ago you've done multiple mergers and acquisitions since then help us understand how you got from that place to where you're at now and what you're working on
0: absolutely so man during that process i guess that was around let's call it 2013 2014 and we had done about another Four or five acquisitions before we ourselves were acquired by a um, a regional CELAC, um, which is a, a regional telephone carrier. They okay. had a they had a wireless division. They had a a managed services and technology division. And and so I ran their entire managed services and technology division. And I'll just say that there was some interesting cultural differences. And and I had done. So much work in getting our leadership team where it needed to be in order to run without me, because I was kind of ready for something different. I'd been with that company. I mean, this basically was my company that I started in 1993, uh, ran for 15 years, sold it to private equity, and then we we grew it, you know, over the next 11 years. And so I went from the kitchen table to, you know, 400 employees and and you know, doing over $200 million in revenue. And I like, like, that's a win. Like I wanted to take a victory lap and just, and then kind of sit back and, and go help other companies get through some of these hot messes that they're in. Right. And, and the leadership team was ready. And so I kind of got out of the way and it's, it's worked out famously for everyone. I, about two and a half years ago, I got a phone call from another private investment company and they said, Hey, we want to go do, you know, a managed services provider. And we know that you've done this before and that you've experienced it. And I got like I got the scars on my back to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, you know, would you come look at this and, and do it with us? And, and I said, you know what, I'll, I'll come look at it. And when I got here and this was in November of 2020, when I got to general informatics, I, noticed some very specific things about their service delivery model that solved some problems that we were trying to solve in the other company that I worked with. And I'm like, wow, man, that's very different. I like that model. And I've got really intrigued. And, and, um, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll interview for the job. And, and here we are two and a half years later, seven acquisitions later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, And it's, it's, you know, I I never thought, I always think about my dad, you know, my, I would ask my dad from time to time, dad, how do you know that? He's like, son, I just been, I've been around the sun more laps than you have. And so I feel the same way now about where I am today. I've, I've been able to do certain things in my career because I did get the opportunity to mess up. I did get the opportunity to fix my mess. Right. So yeah, I mean, being back in IT, I love it. And it's interesting. There are a lot of parallels between the two organizations, but I knew from the very beginning we've got to focus on making sure that our culture is intact. And and when we do acquire somebody, I, I I tell them, hey guys, if I'm not if I'm not listening ten times more than I'm speaking, tell me to shut up, and tell me what's important to you. Don't you know? Don't let me tell you anything. I want to hear from you. And usually, Stephanie, people are are. You know asking me hey when's all the change coming uh-huh. and it's like uh-huh. and i and i'm like okay we're, we're working this is working um, <laughs> because because i don't i don't want them to feel that change i want them to want it and it's not like we're holding back we're just we're listening and so i tell my team what i've found and this is really interesting because i didn't recognize it you know 15 years ago and this is what led to a hot mess I've found that as we've gotten bigger and we go acquire, the way that even my management team talks about the integration is a lot more aggressive. And I'm like, hey guys, hold up. Mm-hmm. Recon- recognize that those people over there are scared. They're yes. all scared. Yes, and, and they think we're gonna come over there and cut everybody. So what we're gonna do is go over there and listen to everybody. Because if we don't understand completely the nuances of their business in integration, we may take away something that is truly a value proposition and what their customers love. And that would be a tragedy because we'll lose those customers and we'll potentially lose the people who work there. And so it's taught me a lot over the years and, and that specific hot mess is really the thing that has changed our entire integration process now.
1: Yeah, I love that and so i'm working with an organization right now going through kind of a a merger acquisition kind of integration but it's it's more internal it's a little bit different than you know merging two companies but Mm -hmm. you know when i when i hear what Staff at different levels are struggling with. You always have the folks who are like, okay, we've got to listen. Awesome. And then you've got the folks who say, where's the action? Where's the action? Where's the action? Yeah. 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 How do you all balance the listening with the reflection with the action?
0: So I always tell people we're going to let the obvious moves slap us in the face as opposed to go force them. And okay. so, so in in the in the business of acquisition, they call that a synergy. Now, sometimes people use synergy as a term of go cut people, right? And mm-hmm. so I don't like to, I don't necessarily like to use that word, but I always say we're going to let the synergy slap us in the face. We're not going to go force them. Okay. So so there are typically things in an acquisition, or just you know, anytime you're bringing two groups together to work together, yes. there are some things that are pretty obvious, right? Hey this person's really good at this. I'm not. So you should run that from now on. Hey, this person's really good at that. Those are are pretty easy. And then what you have to do is is really temper the, the desire to go execute aggressively. Because sometimes when we do that, we step over or step on the very people that we're trying to help. And mm-hmm. so, I am I place a very high value in execution. I want to check the box. I've got a list a mile long and I want to check the box. Mm-hmm. But but check the box is only that only makes me feel good. So how does that make someone else feel if I'm losing empathy in the process because all I want to do is execute? And the mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is, is you really do have to dial back, especially if you're a type A guy, which I am you got to dial back that that aggressive behavior of i got to go get everything done because it's all on me and say hey if you were making decisions at my level what 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 is it that you want me to hear and and so there is a bit of a give and take and they'll usually tell you whenever you're dragging your feet like hey man we really would like to be considered more of you know the the you know the the larger company and we don't know where to go and how to make that happen. And so they, they will definitely tell you. And I usually will, will let folks know early on. And and again, over communicate the fact that, hey guys, you're gonna, you're gonna be wondering where all the change is. You know, you're, you're nervous right now because you think everything is gonna change, and you're gonna look up in ninety days and go, well, we're doing the same thing we were doing yesterday. I was kind of hoping it'd get better, right? Yep. Yep. And and so you know i i always chalk that up as a win because the the opposite of that is much more dangerous to the organization as a whole and it doesn't serve the customers well because you know it was one thing for my internal team to go i don't know where i work Mm -hmm. it's it's yet another thing when your customers start saying i don't know who i'm doing business with anymore
1: that's right that's right
0: and so that's always i always look at what that change internally is going to do and how that's going to impact the customer.
1: Yes. Okay. And how do you practice communicating transparently now?
0: Oh man. <laughs> I love that you use the word practice because I, I, you know, I, I've published three books, and one of the things that I talk about in my last book, Enhance Executive Performance, is you got to practice things that most people would think were mundane or just normal tasks. Mm -hmm. You know, I I compare it to an NFL wide receiver. Uh, An NFL wide receiver has run routes his entire life, but he practices all offseason running that route as crisp as he can. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, but that's a pro athlete. And I always come back with, I turn pro in this. Look, I'm I'm five foot six. Yeah, I'm five foot six and I ain't that fast. So I ain't never going to be a wide receiver. (laughs) (laughs) So I better get good at this. And if that means practicing how to hold a meeting,
1: if -hmm. that means
0: practicing on how to write an agenda. Yes. And so, to your point of practicing transparency, it's getting that desire to hide because you're worried about what people might think. You've mm. got you've got to just be okay with the truth being enough. And if that means somebody can't stay, then that means they're not in alignment with well, who the company has become. And that's okay. That's not a critical thing. And so I'll share a story with you. So when I first got here, there was an engineer who and who had just made a mistake. He just made a, a flat out made a mistake. And he looked at me and he said, What are we going to tell the customer? I said, The truth. And he was like, okay yeah i can do that <laughs> and like what did y'all do before
1: yeah he's know.
0: like i guess i just didn't know if that was going to be okay with you because you know i mean they could get mad I'm like yeah they can and and you know what if we've done everything right and we made this mistake maybe maybe we've got a little bit of grace here just recognize that we don't have a whole lot of grace after that so we're gonna have to really cross our T's and dot our I's and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But yeah, I would much rather be transparent internally, as well as with our customers, because the fact of the matter is, is that candy coating something and then it coming back later and smacking them in the face, they will remember that. And that's a question of integrity, in my opinion.
1: Yes, agree completely.
0: But it is a natural tendency to want to hide from that because and, and I've seen it happen many many times especially new managers mm-hmm. because new new managers think they have to be perfect
1: yes yeah they have to have all the answers Yes, their employees need to ask them questions and they tell them what to do yes yeah and they soon they quickly find out that they cannot be responsible for everyone's decision-making problem-solving fill yeah. in the blank
0: yeah yeah no, you're exactly right
1: yeah it's exhausting. Hm. In preparation for this conversation, you and I got on a, one of our rants about holding effective meetings, which yeah. I believe meetings can be one of the best tools for driving change, for listening, for communicating, right? Yes. It's just a gathering of people. Educate us and all the peoples on your meeting practices that <laughs> make you <it> so awesome.
0: <laughs> uh, so there are three types of meetings, and I, I think I shared this with you. Yep. Um, there is a review meeting, okay which is we're going to review some information there may or may not be action items there is an exceptions meeting exceptions meetings are we're going to review some information there will be action items there will be dates and there will be owners of those action items okay. and then there's a complete waste of freaking time those are the three types of meetings yes. right and we don't do the third type ever and no. so we have uh some pretty specific rules about meetings we don't go to meetings that don't have agendas
1: Oh, um, preach 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 yes. just if say you, that again for the people we do not go
0: <laughs> to meetings that we don't have agendas we have to have agendas yes um and i i have been i have been recorded on a team's meeting before saying hey if you didn't come with something to type on or write on you aren't really participating because i've i, I just gotta hope that somebody is gonna throw some knowledge bomb on us and we're going to want to write that down. So we will never forget it.
1: Yes. And so, Otherwise, why are we using all this time and money to be right, together?
0: Right. And so look, uh, it, you know, meetings are one of the most expensive things that a co- company does yep. and th- there better be action, you know, that comes out of those meetings. And if there's not, then you're really not, you're, you're bitching. That's all you're doing. Yes. You're, you're, you know what I'm saying? You're you're getting in with your peers, and you're bitching about something. And and look, I remember the first time that it dawned on me that meetings were so important. I watched an a one-hour meeting, and I let it happen. I, you know, I I wanted to see how far we were going to go, and I said, hey guys, let me ask a question. Yes, did y'all think this meeting was effective? Yeah, it was it was good, and they probably felt good about the meeting because sure. they got to bit. They got to they got to. They got to let it all out. They got to vent. Yeah. I'm like, look, I tell you what, here's here's my observation. I'm glad you guys had an opportunity to vent. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it sounds like there's some issues that, that really need to be worked out. Nobody's leaving with action items, nobody's leaving with dates, nobody's owning anything. So my assumption is is that the next time y'all meet, it's gonna be exactly the same. hmm So nothing's gonna change. So that must mean Y'all like to vent. Yes. And so, you know, we've got to we've got to have action. And that's where I come back to. I place a very high value on execution. I'm a very hands-on CEO. I get told probably too much at some at times. I don't micromanage. I let my teams manage their their groups. I'm more I'm more hands-on with customers. Like when I'm talking to a customer, I'm usually getting feedback. And a lot of times like I, I enjoy doing this because a customer loves it like I'll be talking to a customer and one of my guys is having a conversation I'm like, hey hold on I'm gonna be on his side tell me that again because I don't know if I completely understand or believe what you just said <laughs> yeah like and they're like uh, okay and so and the customer's like yeah and so you know I, I place a high value on execution but man you can't you can't walk into a meeting and and not be disciplined in your approach. And I do practice it. I, I, you know, I prepare for every meeting that I have, especially, you know, my executive leadership meetings. Um, I run through the agenda, and I make sure that I at least the parts that I have talking points on that those talking points are crisp. They, they, they have um, a message that needs to be disseminated amongst the group, and yep. then post those meetings. We typically talk about the cascading communication plan. Like what does that look like? How do we communicate? What do we communicate? And at what frequency? And usually that makes a huge difference in the way that meetings are held and 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 really the outcomes from those meetings.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, any anytime you're at work, and I'm not saying people have to work ungodly hours. Anytime you're at work, every action should be prefaced with how does this bring value to the organization? Yes because yes. that's what we're here to do together. And it's not like we're not money. I'm not, you know, we're not a resource and that's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, let's show up and do things that are meaningful, that matter yeah. to someone, something, the future, the vision, whatever it is. Right. But why are we doing busy work? Why? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, trust me. And that that just uh, it, that unnerves me yes. when I when I hear people talk about well, you know, hey, that's administrative or that's like, no, it's it everything we do should add value. Yes. If, if if we're not adding value with the things that we do, we need to find a way to eradicate it from our daily duties. Why why yes. are we doing it? Yes. You know? I mean
1: especially in IT automate it or get rid of automated
0: it automate get rid of it right write a yeah. script somebody do something in technology please <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we got anybody I, knows how to code around here yeah come anybody. on come on,
0: write some code let's go yeah <laughs> no it's it's it it you're exactly right and it's funny because you know we were we were going through our planning for integration and somebody asked a question and and the guy goes you know what? I don't know what we're going to do with that. And I was like, well, I mean, it's only integration what we do for a living. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I got you. I got you. I'll find I'll find out. I'll find out. We we you got to have to begin to work around here. I mean, we have fun with it. We're sure. the the way that I describe it is we're not we're a baseball dugout. If you're if you're a baseball fan or if you've ever watched guys in a dugout, man, we're jawing all the time talking about how awesome we are and, you know, and how bad somebody else is. It, it's a whole lot of fun. We do have a lot of fun. But I will tell you that we set clear criteria to be successful and then we just manage to that criteria. Because it. if you don't do that, you're not giving your your folks an opportunity to be successful and, and find their highest and best use in the organization.
1: Yes, agree completely. And that allows so much of the day-to-day noise and drama and confusion to just fall away because yeah. we know where we're headed. Yeah. Like, if, if you don't want to head this direction with, with us, that's okay. Let us that's help okay. you go know, find your place. But yes. this is where we're headed. Like you may not distract us from our, from our vision, from our mission.
0: Right. No, I mean, if, if Sunday afternoon, you're feeling a pang in your stomach because you don't want to go to work, don't. Mm,
1: yeah. Don't. Yeah.
0: Don't. you're in the wrong place. Yes. Stop, you know, yes. You should be jonesing. You should be just wanting to be there. and And look, I know I know not everybody has that. I get that. and And I think a lot of people might listen to this and go, "Oh, well, that's easy to say because you're the CEO sure. and and i I had a conversation with one of my guys yesterday, so I'll share this with you because I think this is the epitome of this conversation. I was walking to my car because I had to go get a, a, something out of my car. And I just was being polite to the person that I was walking by. I said, hey, I'm walking to my car. I'll be right back. I said, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing pretty good. I, it's all, it's, it was 3.30. He goes, it's almost quitting time. And I went, wow. And so I walked to my car and I came back and I said, hey, man, let me let me tell you something.
1: Wait, does he know your he knows who you are, your role? He knows who I am. He knows my role. Okay, he's new, okay. He's new. I was okay. like, Hey, let me, I
0: said, look, man, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not disappointed. I want to coach you up. Don't ever say that to anyone professionally again. <laughs> Even if you feel it, yeah, don't let those words come out of your mouth. And I know you were probably just wanting to make small talk and maybe you were a little bit nervous. That's okay. I said, but see, I don't ever quit and I don't, I don't ever quit because my role is CEO. I'm CEO because I never quit. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you have to understand. And if you don't get charged about the work that you do, let's find something better for you. Let's find out what your highest and best use is yeah. because when you when you find that, man, you, when you go home, when you, you know, eventually stop working, Man, you feel fulfilled and you can you can, you know, have a, a sip of uh, maybe bourbon, which is what I like to have a sip of and, and go, you know what? I had a good day today and and yes. I was able I was able to, to influence my company by adding value to the things that I was doing.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's you know, when I started my business eight years ago. I was so jaded from being an employee and I thought, Oh, I, you know, surely all my life coaching stuff's going to lead to people starting their own thing. Right. And I quickly realized how dead wrong I was. And it's not that you get to write your own destiny because you're at the CEO. It's not like, you know, choosing this route is not for the faint of heart to build a successful business. You know, you know, I now get to design my days, When my clients don't design all the other hours, right? Like you're always accountable to somebody. (laughs) Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, is everyone has a part to play in this world and making it better where they're supposed to make an impact. And it's your duty to yourself to keep searching until you find it. Yeah. And- all the leaders in the world can be, you know, leaders can say things like, oh, well, you know, it's a job and we need you here. And, you know, at least you're getting a paycheck, whatever it is. No, life is way oh, too short to work yes. for a paycheck. Like it needs to propel you out of bed in the morning. If that's someone else's company, there is nothing wrong with that. Or if right. your title is coordinator, there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It, But living this life where you... Dread Mondays and look forward to Fridays, like yeah. God, no, man,
0: no. I mean, so I'll share this with you. So we talked a little bit about this earlier. I'm mm-hmm. second generation Italian. My grandfather came to this country uh, in the sixth grade. He was illiterate. You know, he he never could finish school because he had to work. He was mm-hmm. in the fields, right? Yeah. And I used to watch him in the field. And look, I, if you've ever picked peppers in July in Louisiana, it is 102 degrees. It's 100% humidity. It is miserable. And my grandfather used to do it with a smile on his face. And I asked him, I was like, Gramps, why are you always, we used to call him Chief, because he was very, he kind of had this air of aristocracy. And we, I was like, Chief, what? why are you always smiling when you're in your field? And he said, I'm not in charge of the dirt. And I was like, uh, excuse me, I'm not in charge of the fruits. I'm not in charge of the vegetables. I'm in charge of the dirt. Hmm. And as long as God is going to make magic in my field, I'm going to work like it all depends on me and pray like it all depends on God. And when I heard that, I was in tears. I was like, if everybody had a disposition that, oh, I don't know, God's making magic in my company. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you'd be you'd be a little bit more motivated and it's so crazy because that was his disposition. And, and that's what he, he made, he made incredible products, you know, I mean, incredible products. So
1: fantastic no oh, amazing. And it is yeah. so true. God or Allah or Yahweh, whatever the label is you choose to use, yeah. yeah. makes amazing magic when we get out of His way.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is exactly <laughs> all is to it. That's all I know. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, last question. I'll let you get back to changing your part of the world here. All right. What do you wish? other leaders, um, other ambitious leaders, other ambitious folks who want to one day be in your shoes, what do you wish that they knew about what it takes to to be in your shoes? Hmm.
0: Wow. So I would say there's a whole, there's a, there's a, man, there's a lot to that question. And what I would say is don't ever let the pressure of execution impact or influence a lack of empathy for people or mm. for or for or for situations you know i would say i've been very diligent in making sure that even when i'm making really difficult decisions that i continue to have empathy whether like i said for a person or for a particular situation we and and i'll i'll give you an example there's nothing wrong with Letting someone go because you're uh, you, there's no alignment there. You know, right. they, they they have a different standard than than what your company has. But there's also nothing wrong, and I do this regularly, Stephanie. There's also nothing wrong with 90 days after they've gone, calling them and checking on them, mm-hmm. just making sure making sure they landed somewhere and they're good. And and I I do that. And and sometimes in exit interviews, I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna call you in 90 days. Is that cool? and they're like yeah uh, that's cool I, I don't know why you'd want to do that well cuz i'm human you know i'm 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 a human being and so yeah. those people you know the 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 folks who are wanting to be leaders or are moving into that role that doesn't make you less human it should make you more that's the one thing that i wish more leaders understood there's nothing wrong with being type a there's nothing wrong with being driven there's nothing wrong with executing there's nothing wrong with being very very clear and sometimes even you know a little bit direct about what the expectations are mm-hmm. but that doesn't that doesn't mean you should stop caring for those folks who choose not to deliver that yes because because let's face it that's a choice right that's a choice and you you don't have to be okay with their choice and you should as a leader make sure that their choice doesn't impact yours yep but you don't have to hate them for it and yeah. I, I tell people all the time, like I've been in meetings where somebody was talking negatively about somebody who had left and I'm like, Hey guys, we loved them when they were here. We're going to love them when they, when they're gone. So let's not talk negatively about people. That's, it's not fair. They're not here to defend themselves. Yep. And so I think that would be one of the things that I wish more leaders understood because I do think that, you know, and it's cliche, right? You know, if, if the folks who are working really, really hard to meet that standard recognize that not only does that mean something of value to the company, but it also means something, you know, to you as a person, as a human, yes. as, as someone yes. who—I mean, it—I think I think that resonates with people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Don, you're awesome. I'm so glad we've connected in this way. Um, Stephanie,
0: thank you. Yeah. I so appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Spoiler alert. I really like you, so you can't get rid of me now. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to call we're gonna have to have these do these all the time. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Just just to laugh. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> Seven, thank oh you. my God. Thank you. Fantastic.
1: Well, my friend, I promised you a little bit of fun and I hope you had it while you were listening to our conversation. I know I did. You know, some of my top takeaways, and I'd love to hear yours too, wherever you're watching and listening in. But some of my notes here I've got today, you know, as a business leader, we oftentimes make decisions that make sense on paper, and then you go to put them in practice and you get hit with a lot of resistance. And so part of the way that Don has learned to counteract that is to listen with more empathy. Listen first, act second. And I loved how he talked about balancing his need, his drive for execution with the fear and the uncertainty that he knows other employees are facing. And so learning to temper your bias for action for others that may be in a more uncertain spot, I think displays a level of emotional intelligence that can be hard to practice, but has amazing results once you learn how to do it. And, you know, honestly, that resonates with me because I am a leader that has a bias for action. I don't understand why there isn't an action taken every second of every day which is a glitch in my matrix, doesn't make me right, it means that's my bias, the same as other folks have other biases. And so for the leaders that I work with, helping them understand that action, execution must be balanced with empathy, listening, and particularly as Don highlighted for us, right? Like we might be taking away some secret sauce that helps our customers in the long run if we just bulldoze through the action that we think we know best. Some of the other lessons that I took, you know, Pam, asking people straight up, if you're a top level leader, I want you to practice this too. Asking people, you know, if you were making decisions in my shoes, what would you want to say? What would you want me to hear? Again, another example of empathy, but instead of extending it to the person on the other side of the table, we're asking the person on the other side of the table to extend it to us. Because there's this recognition that there are things that you as a leader know that the other person doesn't and completely true in the vice versa way. There are things that they know that you don't and you need to develop active listening skills in order to hear them. And finally, as a leader, you know being okay with the truth, being enough, being okay with you messing up and not having all the answers. Amazing lessons in emotional intelligence, empathy, listening, and ultimately continuing to build a culture that delivers values for its customers because that's that's what we're here to do together. It's not about the business itself. It's about delivering value, creating value for each other as employees and as a set of employees to a set of customers. That's how we do impactful work on this planet. All right, my friend, now let's get back to your specific part of change in the world. And if you wouldn't mind, share this with another ambitious leader that you have in your network that needs some more pro-troublemaking habits. And I'll see you soon, my friend.